0: Listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paraguay. For more information about our church, please visit us at ww.fellowshipparagool.com. I want to read uh, a very short excerpt this morning to kind of set up uh, something that I wanted to say um, to each of you. Um, This is a book that I'm currently reading right now called The Emotionally Healthy Church. And there's a section in here at the very beginning where the author writes um, about a time that his wife came to him after eight unrelenting years of stress in ministry. This guy was a pastor, and of course, his wife being a pastor's wife comes to him, and she says, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, this church is no longer life for me, but it's death to me. Um, we've had people leave the church before, and it always hurts, but I can't imagine my wife Coming to me and saying, I don't want to be at the church you're pastoring uh, anymore. This church is death to me. But this man experienced this, and unfortunately, that's a pretty common experience um, for a lot of ministers. Uh, some of you have been in ministry before, and um, you've been a part of, of leading churches um, where you say, Man, this church basically destroyed in some ways, my family. I mean, the expectations, the stress, the lack of love um, that we had, just all of, of of the responsibilities that just left you burn out and, and wanting to basically walk away. And, and um, I just want to say this, um, in light of the events that have happened in, in my family's um, life this past week, um, many of you know that my wife miscarried, um, this would be our third child, and we uh, had a DNC, had a procedure done on Friday, and um, has been a difficult week for us, but I just want to say this, that I am thankful that as a church um, that you not only just don't bring death to my family, but you bring life to us, um, even in the midst of death. And um, the, the text messages, uh, the phone calls, um, the prayers, the meals, uh, the gifts— um, just the visits that we've received from y'all over this past week is honestly, um, it's been overwhelming in a good way. It's something we didn't expect whatsoever, but but God used you and your text messages and your phone calls and, and the little acts of service that maybe you thought, ah, I don't even know if this will make that big of a difference. I promise you, they make a huge difference. And God used you in any ways to show us a picture of the gospel, to comfort us, to bring joy and peace in the middle of a situation um, that honestly he's just sustained us through and giving us great joy and peace in. And so I just want to say from the bottom of my heart again, um, it is such an honor to be a part of this family with y'all. And I just want to thank you again for being sensitive to, to letting the Spirit use you to bless our family. Um, this morning, uh, Rusty Langford is going to be uh, bringing the message. And um, there's just a little bit I want you to know about... The person that you're going to be hearing from. That's usually kind of good, right? To know a little bit about the person that's going to be uh, preaching the gospel to us. And so, Rusty is from Chatsworth, Georgia. He is the husband to Cassie, who is a, uh, can you wave your hand. All right, thanks. Uh, English teacher at Paragold High School. Um, he's the father to eight year old Kaylee, to six year old Elisha, and four year old Josiah. Uh, A little something you might want to know about Rusty is he used to play small forward for the 97 Chicago Bulls, um, and uh, he sews all of his family's clothing, (laughs) and he lost to Ric Flair in a cage match, which was fixed. Um, On top of all of this, uh, (laughs) you sent that in a text, man, so I'm putting it in here. Uh, on top of all this, Rusty has served in vocational ministry for 12 years, um, has served faithfully. He's one of our church planting residents, and um, and started in January, he'll lead one of our missional communities, him and his wife. And so uh, we are thrilled to death to have the Langfords with us. They are such a blessing to our church family, um, to our city, and we're especially honored to be able to have Rusty come and preach this morning. And so uh, without any further ado, Rusty, why don't you come on up? I want to pray for you. And then uh, we'll dive into it. Father, I thank you so much for my brother. I thank you for uh, Cassie. I thank you for the whole Langford family. I thank you for just what they've meant to our church. I thank you for how they have uh, jumped right in and how they have said ministry is now, life is now. And uh, they are immersing themselves into the lives of people in this church body I thank you for how you've gifted this man. I thank you for the passions that you've laid on his heart. And I just pray that right now that you will remind him of the day that you first broke into his life and that you will remind him of why he preaches. Um, I pray that he will not focus on uh, what so much as as the why. And I pray that you will just free him up, that you will fill him with your Holy Spirit, that you will give him the exact words that you want him to say. And, Holy Spirit, you will prepare our hearts for this message so that you will transform us for our good and your glory. And it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Why don't you all make a little noise for Rusty. Welcome him to the... Alright, it's my microphone on? Alright.
1: Well, this is a great opportunity. I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was a, a little bit nervous. But before we get started, I know that we are not a typical church or a traditional church. But one thing that typical and traditional churches do and have done over this past month is appreciate their pastors. And they didn't tell me to do this. So. But you guys need to realize how blessed you are to have Luke and Jared as the pastors of this church. They love the gospel and they love you. And so we need to just think of some creative ways maybe this week that you can bless them and encourage them, and appreciate them, whether it's a story, whether it's a gift, whether it's a note, because these guys are laboring for the sake of your souls. And they love you, and with their gifts and talents, who knows where in the world they might could be, but they want to be right here with you, and they love you. And it is such a privilege to me as one who is, has been a lead pastor for the last seven years, and pastored uh, five other years in a different position and so I know what ministers look like and what it can look like. And these guys love you; and they love the Lord. So let it, let's appreciate them. The other thing I want to say before I get started, and I know this may be offensive, is that one great blessing is to be in the best missional community in this church. Oh, come on. <laughs> and I, I I hate to say it. I know we're not supposed to compare. I know that's not about to talk about the gospel. I know that's not a gospel response. But to have Grant, the best MC leader, and the best MC altogether has been a wonderful thing. And so, yeah, <laughs> so that just negated everything I said about appreciating them, that evened things out. Well, this morning we're going to, to look in God's Word, I, normally when I've preached before I've taken a text like Jerry did through the Sermon on the Mount and worked through it verse by verse, but uh, now for something altogether different. We are going to just jump around and look at how we never outgrow the gospel. Never outgrow the gospel. And Jared asked me just to preach what I've been learning, what God's been telling me, teaching me, speaking to my heart about, and this is it. This is it. So we're just going to launch off this morning, 1 Peter 3.18. We'll be going to a few other places as well. Peter says this through the Holy Spirit. But grow in the grace had knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Father, we thank You that You are the God of the good news. That this gospel is Yours. And it's why we're here. We thank You for what we've sang today. That Jesus paid it all. So God, if anyone has came in here this morning with their heads hung low because of their performance this week, God might now, by your Spirit, you lift them up to enjoy you. And God might now be a time where your Spirit takes your Word and it just pierces our hearts, convicts us where we need to be convicted, and comforts us where we need to be comforted. And may Jesus receive all the glory. Amen. Well, growing up, they always told us in certain situations to to share your most embarrassing story. Has anybody ever asked you to do that in icebreaker situations? Well, it's happened to me, and I never really had much of a good one. But about five years ago, I gained one. And since I'm all the way in Arkansas, I'll share it with you this morning. I had a palate I don't even know if I can pronounce it, a palinatal cyst removed. I called it my lower back. My wife called it my upper butt but I thought lower back sounded better. Well, they went and they did, did a, a way they thought they were going to take care of it before they actually had to do a surgery was just to do like an incision. I don't know the right word with a, with a lancet. Thank you, BJ. Somebody here is smarter than I am. They lanced it, and so it, they sent me home and everything seemed well. So I actually go to my study in our church building and I'm, I'm reading. I don't know what I was studying at that point. And all of a sudden, I, I start to feel kind of moist and wet, and I look down, and I am soaked in blood. I mean, whatever happened is, it it has hit something in here that just all of a sudden took off, and I am drenched, and so, I literally just drenched, and so I go down, try to get in the car, you know, it's hard to walk, walk because just all this blood is coming out. I go home, my wife can vouch for this, I walk in the house, you know, like a kid that's had an accident at school, and... (laughs) And she's getting out all these towels for trying to get me cleaned up because i got to get back to the doctor's office and figure this out, get this taken care of. We get to the doctor's office, and this is when things get bad. They take me back to this room, and the the male nurse that had helped me out earlier, his name was Buddy. (laughs) Buddy now has the task to clean me up. And I know what some of you women have gone through having children and stuff. You probably don't want to hear this. But this was extremely humiliating. Because where I was cut at and where the blood had covered was where he now was going to place his hands. And so here I am. I'm laid on this table. And I just don't even want to think about what I'm feeling right now and what he's feeling. And... And Cassie's over there in the corner smiling. <laughs> no sympathy. Pray for me. And I'm sitting there thinking, "I'm too old for this. Shouldn't I have outgrown the point to where I, as a grown man, have to be so taken care of? To be this needy, to be this helpless? be honest with you, there's a lot of days I feel the same way about the gospel. I don't want to still be this needy. I don't want to still have to ask my wife to forgive me so many times. I don't want to have to just lay helpless before God and say, you've got to clean me up again. Maybe you're like that. Say, some of you are. You thought I would get to a point to where I outgrew this. The good news for us today is, is that Jesus and this gospel, it's always here for us. He never says, that's enough. And at the same time, his gospel always is enough. What I've got to learn, what we've all got to learn, is that our eternal neediness of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something we just need to embrace. It's not just something we need to accept. It's something we need to celebrate. To rejoice, as we sang this morning, in a King who is for us, who is with us. And yes, we will always need, but He will always be there to supply that need. We must celebrate the fact that we never outgrow the gospel even when we've heard it a million times and we thought we should have got it. We're going to look at Peter this morning because I think the Apostle Peter is someone who struggled with this very thing of always thinking, now I've got it and always having to find out I still need Jesus. We can look first in Mark chapter 8. Some of us will be familiar with this. Jesus has been preaching the gospel to his disciples for some time. He has announced the cross and the resurrection. And on this particular occasion, when he takes up the gospel again, we see how Peter responds. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. So he's preaching the gospel. This is Jesus, remember. Not me, not Jared, Luke, not whoever. Jesus preaching the gospel. He said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's some boldness, isn't it? (laughs) But turning and seeing his disciples, so Jesus seeing the other disciples, this is a, a teaching moment, we might say. He rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. You might think, I'd never do that. I would never rebuke Jesus for telling me again that I need the gospel. There's some of you in here though, when you blow it, be honest, it's the last thing in the world you want somebody to tell you. There's some of you in here who you cringe if you were to hear somebody speak to you in your moment of need. What does the gospel have to say about that? And you want to smack them in their face. We're going to talk about that some more in a minute, but think about right here. This guy has spent a lot of time with Jesus. We're not talking about Jesus mediated. We're talking Jesus in the flesh. These three years teaching, he was called, he was a a needy sinner, tax collector, despised by his fellow men, and Jesus rescued him and saved him by the power of his grace. He heard Jesus do all this great teaching on the gospel in person and could ask Jesus every follow-up question that he could think of. And here he is rebuking him. Come on, Jesus, it's not that necessary. Come on, Jesus, we're not that needy. He thinks he's got it. And then we know what happens when later on Jesus is about to go. Peter, Who's what Peter saying? Jesus, all these other bums might leave you, but not me. I got it. I mean, there's all these needy people, you know, who are Christians, who are these weak people. But when the time comes to show who's really on it, I'm going to shine. And we know what happens, don't we? Yeah. Not only does he deny him once, but three times in his very moment of need and not to even very intimidating people. We get the sense here that Peter is annoyed that Jesus keeps on. And maybe we can get to that point. Growing up, the last thing I ever wanted my parents to do was to tell me something I thought was obvious. I'm still like that with my wife. Be careful when you go out. Make sure you're careful when you drive. Okay, Mom and Dad, I was going to blindfold myself. <laughs> but, but now I'll be careful. Man, you just saved my life. Watch out about who you hang out with. Oh, man, I was going to join the Crips today. (laughs) They were having a little dinner at school, you know, a little welcome party, free goodie bags for all who join in the first 24 hours. (laughs) Too old for that. I need you. Did you give me advice? Especially on that simple stuff. And then what? You end up wrapped around a tree? (laughs) Car in a ditch? (laughs) Making that phone call? You end up in that bad relationship. You end up out there in that scene that you didn't drive to and you're stuck now with everybody looking at you like either you're going to get involved or you need to find a new group of friends. See, if you think that you've outgrown hearing the gospel, then God will humble you very quickly. We talk about these four G's, God is great, God is glorious, God is good, God is gracious. And we believe He's great and He's sovereign and wh- till when till that bill comes in the mail from Verizon, it's like three times as much, <laughs> right? Again? <laughs> and you're ticked off, you don't have the money, you don't have the time to go through 20 automated messages. you think you really believe God's glorious so you don't need other people's approval that other guy gets that promotion at work and you're not sitting back saying God at least you approve of me no you're mad and you're on Facebook and all of a sudden you're that person I'm not one to rant but (laughs) you think that you believe God is good and then that trial keeps on in your life and you you You're going to find an escape, whether it's in food and entertainment. You're going to numb yourself. But you realize you really don't believe God's enough to hold you through it. Believe God is gracious and then you fail at something. And then you fall into despair. And what we need to hear again is the gospel. We have a Father who loves us. That we've not failed because Jesus has succeeded. That if other people disprove of us, he's already called us his son and made us co-heirs in his kingdom. That's not a bad thing, brothers and sisters. That's a good thing. We need to be like the little child. You've You've read on this story a million times. My dad used to read me The Four Little Puppies as a golden book. I want him to read it again and... We just need to come to our Father and be like, Read me the gospel again, Father. These crawl up and don't read it again. We don't need to resent that. We need to celebrate it. Because no matter how much gospel education you have, and no matter who you've received it from, even though Peter received it from Jesus, we still need the gospel. You might think, well, Peter... This was before Peter received the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you theologians in here. This is before Peter got, grew up, you know. This is before Peter got further down the road. We'll turn to Galatians chapter 2. or uh, I think Ryan will have it up here. Here's Peter again. Remember, this is later on. This is, this is after all of these things have, have happened. God's Word says, But when Cephas, that's Peter... This is another name for Peter here in the Bible. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him. Paul opposed Peter to his face. Why? Because he stood condemned. That is, he was clearly guilty of disobeying God in the gospel. For before certain men came from James, James, apostle in Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles. So he was... He was celebrating the gospel. The gospel says there's no longer Jew and Gentile. We are one through the blood of Jesus. There's no separation of race, social status, gender. We are one in Jesus Christ. And Peter's at the table. He is celebrating this for a while. But when these guys came, super spiritual guys, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. That is, he fears those people of the Jewish heritage who believed that if you wanted to truly be in the people of God, then you had to become a Jew culturally. You had to dress like they did, perform the same rituals that they did. It was an addition to the gospel. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them also, so that even Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement, was led astray. So not only is Peter doing it, Peter's a bad influence on everybody else. Verse 14, But when I, when Paul saw their conduct, notice was not in step with the truth of the gospel, of the good news that through the blood of Jesus we are one. I said to Cephas, to Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews and then and then hang on these next two verses, because normally these are preached totally separate, but they're not they're not to be completely separated. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So yes, we were born into this heritage that God's promises come through, unlike the Gentiles. But, or yet we know that a person is not justified, is not made right with God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the ABCs of the gospel, isn't it? And who's having to hear it? Peter. After all that we've already seen, he just lived Jesus through his life on earth, denied Him, was restored beautifully through the grace-giving Savior. And then in Acts, he receives the Holy Spirit. And he speaks. How do the apostles speak? They speak in many different languages. Why? So that everyone there, no matter who they are or where they're from, could hear the gospel. Peter partakes in the great demonstration that the gospel makes everyone united in Jesus Christ who trusts in him. A part of the same family. And then he goes out, read Acts, and he boldly proclaims the gospel. Peter ain't afraid of nobody in Acts. He's like... Throw me in jail. I don't care. Cut off my head. I don't care. I'm standing for the gospel. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's having this little hang-up about the inclusion of the Gentiles. And so God sends Peter a dream, a vision of this blanket full of all of the different foods that he thought he couldn't eat because he was Jewish, including bacon. That's for my MC, especially bacon. He goes and preaches the gospel then to Cornelius, this God-fearing Gentile, Because he wants everyone to know that through Jesus Christ, no matter who you are, where you're from, there's hope, there's salvation. And then in Acts 15, this is all going somewhere, hang with me. They have this big council where the church officially says, yes, this is the gospel. They've debated, does somebody have to be circumcised to be saved? And the answer is no, no. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. And here's Peter blowing it. I've been there. i preached a lot of sermons I ain't lived out. My wife can amen that all day long. My kids can all day long. And it's hard. It's hard to hear the gospel... When other people have to tell us again, and we thought we should be the one telling everybody else. Think about Peter. Paul, this upstart apostle who hadn't been half the things through, half the things he's been through with Jesus, is calling him out. You talk about stinging? That had to sting. Remember one time when my wife and I were having a difficult season in our marriage, oh, and it's perfect now. But I was being a, a really... I'm just being honest. need the gospel. need the gospel. The way that I deal sinfully, especially with conflict sometimes, is just to do the, the numb thing. You know, some people fight. Some people... I just do like this sort of blocking you out. Blocking you out like Homer listening to Marge, right? Blah, 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 blah. And my wife, thankfully, a little more mature than me, she wants to sit down and talk about these things and she's principled enough that even when she doesn't feel like it and she's not not perfect i'm not saying that but in this particular instance she wanted us to sit down and have a talk And she planned it so here we were in mcdonald's it's a great place for reconciliation but uh... She brings this list of things to speak about And I even think she she was wanting to talk about it In view of the gospel And I just came and I just sat there And didn't say a word Because of my pride I don't want to have to have somebody else Tell me the gospel when I'm a pastor I don't want to have to have somebody else Tell me the gospel when I'm supposed to be The spiritual leader in my home It's hard. But we shouldn't resent that. We shouldn't just accept that. We should celebrate that. That's God's grace. It's so humbling, but we're so needy. When your spouse tries to gospel your heart, there are going to be times if you raise your kids in the discipline of the gospel, they're going to speak the gospel to you. I thought we weren't supposed to yell, Mommy. <laughs> when a newer Christian, when someone in your MC tries to speak the gospel into your life, I mean, let's be honest, there's going to be times when you're sitting back thinking, who is this person? Think they are. Where, where do they come from? All this stuff about Being a a gospel family that we talk about. That's all all well and good to talk about. Until somebody goes Galatians 2 on you. (laughs) And says brother, sister. You're out of step with the gospel. And what we do. And how we respond in moments like that. Revealed us where we are. And where we need God even more. We will never outgrow the gospel. But what happens if we get This then Jesus gets all the glory, doesn't He? But maybe that's the problem. Maybe we want to get to a point in our lives where we don't want to share. We don't want Him to have all the glory. We kind of want to arrive. That's where I want us to go next in Matthew 18. This is verse 21. Jesus is talking about forgiveness here. and It says, Peter... Remember here, it, tracing this through Peter's life. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now Peter here, you got to understand this. He thinks he's being generous saying this. In The Old Testament law, there wasn't a seven times. You know, if someone sins and the right witnesses are brought, you know, you can get some judgment going pretty quick. And so Peter thinks, because I'm so gracious and generous and gospel-centered, gospel-formed, how about seven times? Number of completion. Jesus said to him, I don't know if I had this put up there. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I think this reveals a fundamental struggle that's going on in Peter's heart. And that pride is at the heart of this. What does Peter think? Peter thinks people should get it after seven times. Do you see that? What Peter does is Peter puts limits on the gospel and he puts a timeline on the gospel. And this is why I think maybe Peter struggles with this so much in his own life. And while maybe we do. When we put limits and timeline on the gospel. Then in turn. Is we place that same standard on ourselves. And it really stings when we come face to face with the fact. That we're just as needy as everybody else in this room. I'm not. Less needy than you or more needy than you. We are all equally, totally, fully, completely needy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter expects that he won't be as needy as everyone else. So he says things like, everyone else may fail you, but not me. I'm going to be by your side because I'm not like those needy people. I'm not one of those people who need your cross so much. Uh Uh-oh. You've got to ask yourself, do you, is that playing in the back of your mind sometimes? I'm not one of those people who need your cross so much. Pride can cripple your life. It can kill your life. It can make your marriage nothing more than coexisting people in the same house. It can make your experience in your MC nothing more than a community project service group that eats together. Because what it does is it just turns the volume all the way down on the glorious song of the gospel. Think again of dumbing things I did when I was young at the beach with friends and were warned not to go into the water because the undertow's bad. <laughs> Sounds like more fun. Until we have to be dragged out by someone. <laughs> we don't need a guide to go down this river until we're trapped under the raft. as adults in maybe more sophisticated and hidden ways, we think, I should have this now. When it turns out we're just as needy as others, we can respond in some different ways and maybe some ways some of you are responding this morning. One is hypocrisy. When we realize we're really just as needy as everybody else, we can decide, okay, am I going to fake it? Am I going to fake that I'm not as needy? Am I going to keep my life so hidden... So that nobody ever sees anything that they need to speak the gospel to. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. The Lord just blesses me every day. How's things in your marriage? Oh, you know, we have hard times, but it's God's good. How are things with your kids? Well, you know, kids, we kids. I'm just thanking the Lord for them. <laughs> You're, you're faking it, and it's because you you know that the gospel you need the gospel, but you don't want to admit it. Some of you can get bitter, and what you do when you get bitter is you think man I did God you you think this at least you promised me you were going to save me and grow me I shouldn't still be struggling with this you're bitter towards God you're bitter towards other people when they actually Embrace the gospel. So you just kind of fade to the outside. You're, you could be very servant-oriented. But you're, you're all actions. You're all performance. Your heart's cold. Or you could just quit. I you know Notice what some people do. A lot of people who are at home this morning. They're at home because they thought at some point they wouldn't be so needy of the gospel. It's just the truth of it. Talk to a lot of people like this.'ve had good friends who are like, "I've tried to repent, I've tried to do better, but I just can't." What do all these have in common? All of these responses and the people that embody them, and when I embody them, our eyes are on ourselves. We have a way too high view of ourselves. Because ever how bad you think you are in this morning, I've got good news for you. You're way worse. (laughs) You are way worse. Ever how good you think Jesus is this morning? He is way better. (laughs) Way better. He is enough. Don't resent it. Embrace it. Celebrate it. We will never graduate past our need of the gospel. And that's good news. It's not God holding us back. And so we're back where we started. I don't think this is a coincidence. The last words of Peter. 2 Peter 3.18 Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's what God's Word says. That's what Peter says. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing His praise than when we've just begun. Even when we're glorified, we will glory in the gospel to the end of all eternity, which has no end. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. So if you think you're going to outgrow your need of the gospel in this life, you don't understand anything about eternity. Because the worship in heaven is worthy as the lamb who was slain. You don't have to have it all together. But you do have to have this together. You will never outgrow your need of the gospel. So Peter again as we finish. In John 13. I'm going to read this. Jesus washing everybody's feet. And what does old Peter say? Not me. (laughs) No way that's happening. And Jesus is washing their feet. Symbolic of the way he will wash their sins away at the cross. And how they must let him serve them. Jesus says Peter I must wash you. Or you can have no part in me. You see all you need. To need Jesus, to have Jesus is your need. So hopefully you never have an experience like I had with Buddy. (laughs) But we've all, we've all got to be willing every day, every second to lay before Jesus Christ and say, wash me Lord, wash me clean. It's not embarrassing. That's not our embarrassing story that we need Jesus so much. That's our glory. Let's bow our heads. As the band comes forward. We're going to sing in response to the gospel. And the way we need to respond is with a joyful celebration. Of how needy we are. And how enough he is. When we partake of this communion again. It's not something that gets old. It's another reminder. Jesus has paid it all. Father we thank you so much. That you are enough. And we ask you to forgive us. When we don't want to have to need you so much. Humble us. Grow us. And be glorified. In Jesus name. Amen.